You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the twentieth of July, twenty twenty-two, with myself Shaji Ahmed and also with me in the studio Shmuel Ahmed uh, as well. Assalamu alaikum How are you doing this uh, this morning? A very, very good morning to you as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, That's good. The weather's That's good. a bit uh, more bearable than uh, yesterday, so yeah, yeah. I'm doing, doing good. Yeah. Um, speaking, speaking of uh, speaking of the weather, uh, you know, record record high um, temperatures uh, uh, yesterday, isn't it? Forty degrees. Um, uh, some places thirty nine degrees, which has been the highest recorded, um, um, you know, temperature yet here in the UK. I mean, I know, you know, 30s, um, sort of, you know, mid-30s, we have we have sort of touched that before in the past, um, in, a, in a, you know, a couple of years ago as well. Remember when we had that uh, two, three months of, you know, continuous uh, hot weather. Um, but uh, yesterday, record, record-breaking, record-breaking temperatures, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it was getting a bit unbearable at some times. I mean, the fans were out, you know, two, three fans in one room. It was just, you know, whatever we can do to cool ourselves down. And, you know, that's very important whenever the heat strikes as well, for everyone listening as well, that, you know, make sure that you're cooling yourself down, you know, drinking lots of water, uh, keeping your kids hydrated as well, make sure that, you know, there's no problems occurring in the household. I mean, staying staying hydrated is very, is very, very much important because, and and I think a lot of people don't actually realise this, but you know, feeling feeling a bit feeling a bit sick uh, in this weather, not being able to breathe, um, you know, that properly. These are just some things which which happen when you are dehydrated. You may not even know it, but it's not it's not just about getting the fluids in. It's about drinking water, right? Definitely. Because some people, you know, you know, they will just drink juices or drink uh, soft drinks, fizzy drinks, and all of these sort of things. But they won't drink that much water, and then they'll get dehydrated. So it's important. It's important to drink a lot of water. Yes, you can drink uh, the other drinks as well, but uh, it's important to drink, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of water uh, as well. Uh, so these things are, are, you know, very very much important. Um, what's the outlook? What's the outlook for you know uh, so these uh, you know until the weekend? So uh, BBC tells us that uh, today there will be a mix of variable clouds, sunny spells and a few showers across the UK. These are heavy and thundery in the south later. Uh, A less hot day than last, (laughs) thank God, Uh, but still warm in the southeast. And uh, tonight showers will ease from most, but will not persist in parts of uh, uh, northern and eastern uh, England where clouds cover will, will be thicker. Elsewhere, it will be largely dry with clear spells, uh, a fresher night than yesterday. Mm. For Thursday, uh, tomorrow, uh, areas of thick clouds will linger across central and eastern England uh, with a few spots of drizzle likely. The rest of the UK will see patchy clouds, sunny spells and odd and the odd isolated shower. And the outlook for Friday to Sunday is Friday is expected to see sharp showers breaking out widely across Britain. These potentially thundery in places. However, Northern Ireland may escape drier. Saturday and Sunday will become unsettled and breezy to the northern, uh, to the north and the west, with uh, spells of rain pushing in. Uh, southern and eastern areas will remain drier with the best of the sunshine and the warmth. So a lot better than the last two days that we've been, uh, you know, bearing 
Uh, and um, yeah. just another tip: you, when it does get very, very, very sunny, there is a very uh, there is a Islamic tradition which you know can help you as well. As in the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. You know, he lived in a time of you know very, very hot weather mm. in oh, yeah. uh, Arabia, so they literally were all constantly, desert, constantly under the sun. Like, yeah. I mean, literally three, uh, three, six, five uh, days a year. So you know, one tip that we can see, which is also part of the ablution in uh, Islam, is mm. you know putting water over your elbows, your forearms. Uh, your the back of your head, the back of your palm, and all these, and your feet as well. So all these mm. points in your body are actually cooling points. So if you do run water over them, it'll cool your whole body down. So you know that is a little bit of a, a little a little tip. Just uh, if you if the if the sun gets a bit unbearable as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, one other thing we you know which people can uh, um, actually m- make sure that they do is that they they cover their necks. You know, cover their neck, cover their necks are is very important as well. Um, you know that's why you see that a lot of people who who live in these Arabian countries, these Middle Eastern countries, or these very very hot countries, they do tend to wear sort of a uh, or the you know a, a a sort of cloth which which covers their neck and goes goes a little bit down as well. Um, staying you know wearing sunscreen sunblock uh, is also very much important. So you don't want to get sunburned. Uh, because uh, you know you will get if if you stay outside for even maybe fifteen twenty minutes in that heat which we had yesterday, it's, it was intense. It was definitely something to 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 take care of. Now, uh, you know, of course, you know we will speak about the weather here and there anyway, as uh, you know the the UK weather is always a bit up and down anyway. Um, but I say whenever we do have nice weather, I'm mean, of course yesterday was you know quite was definitely quite hot. But whenever we do have nice weather, I think we should uh, try our best to enjoy it as well because you know let's face it, we have so many so many months. I think six months we have drizzle, dark clouds. It's it's not it's not very pleasant. It's not very nice, is it? You wake up and it's just uh, sometimes it's just dark. I mean half of the year it's just uh, you know. Uh, gloomy, grey, and it doesn't look it doesn't look that nice. You don't even see the sun that much. So I say when you know when when there is the summer, let's enjoy the summer, isn't it? You of course, I mean? definitely. You need to <laughs> you to enjoy enjoy the sun. I mean, we do. Uh, living in Britain, you know, it's a very very common thing to you know complain about the weather, and it's yeah, a, yeah. it's a tradition amongst us uh, Britons. But um, yeah, when the sun does come out, of course, we should enjoy it as much as possible. We should you know take benefit from it. You know, um, use it to you know get out the cold beverages, have some you know a nice time in the garden, or have a picnic or something with the family. I mean, enjoy the weather, definitely. enjoy the dryness. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, um, just moving on to some other news. The rate you may have heard uh, uh, anyway that the rate of inflation has hit a fresh forty-year high, um, placing further strain on household budgets as the cost of living crisis ca- uh, mounts. Now, this is uh, this is uh, an article from uh, from the from the BBC. Um, in fact, uh, you know, it's an article from 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 Sky News as well that. The the office for national statistics measured the core customer um, prices index at nine point four percent last month, and this is up from May's rate of nine point one percent. In advance of the the data, economists had expected fuel prices, which hit record record levels amongst daily uh, in, during June, to have placed the high the greatest 
upwards pressure on inflation. Now, the latest figures, um, which you know, which predictions that the rate of inflation would climb more slowly following the energy price-driven witnessed in April. However, the Bank of England is expected a further acceleration to beyond 11% in October when the energy prices cap is adjusted again and is, pred- and is predicted to surge towards average annual bills over £3,000. Now, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely, it's, 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 it's too much, right? It's too much. And April's level was £1,971 and marked only a tentative increase in response to the spike in wholesale prices unleashed by Russia's war in Ukraine. And uh, the results surging in, in fuel and energy costs has not only been felt by households but reflected in prices down the global supply chain as well, resulting in higher costs for the vast majority of goods and service in the economy. Now, this is um, this is something which you know we've been experiencing for the past uh, for the past months, and it's the war in Ukraine has has you know has had a a very a huge impact on this as well. Supply chains, all of this. We've spoken about all of this uh, on previous shows as well, but because of the war in Ukraine, which is you know. You know, in fact, it's still ongoing as well. It might not be to the same scale, but it's still ongoing. And the supply chains, which um, you know, which you know, which is uh, you know, Ukraine produces a lot of wheat, right? And then a lot of countries re- rely on that wheat to be imported into their into their country. And these things, these things have a a huge impact on not just countries which are living in Europe, but countries which are living in a lot of different countries, you know, a little, a lot of different places in the world as well. Middle Eastern countries are suffering. African countries are suffering. They heavily, you know, rely on the, you know, on the import of uh, these goods from Ukraine, from all of these different countries as well. But because the, the supply chains are blocked, it's, uh, you know, they're not getting, they're not getting that same, uh, the same goods that they that they were used to. But also. It's not just about uh, import and export and the supply chains, but it's also about the inflation rates. You know, we the cost of living is so much. People, you know, right now we're living in the summer. We don't have to, you know, turn the heating on and all of these things. We don't even need hot water these days. But winter come, you know, all of this. You know, we will we'll need we will need all of this. We will need to turn on our, uh, you know, the the heating system. We will need we will need the hot water. We will need the boiler running. But also, we we do need to fill up our tanks. We need to commute. We need to get here and there. So it's a very very difficult situation that uh, that uh, you know that we're living in. Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, it was just one one. As you talked about the supply chain from Ukraine, it's just one thing has such a domino effect, such a huge effect on mm. not just their own country, not just you know a few neighboring countries, but you know the whole world. The whole world relies on other yeah. countries for different part, different uh, forms of trade, uh, different goods, and uh, different things that they can benefit from, and different things that you know it's a necessity. Like wheat is such a necessary thing. So, I mean, mentioning that it's. It has such a domino effect, and it affects not, you know, one or two nations. It affects, you know, a, mm. a huge part of the world, and you know, that's that's uh, it's very you know daunting to see. And as you can see, you also mentioned the fact that 
living expenses you know the cost of living is just rapidly rapidly increasing but the co- uh, the the wages the the salaries they they're at at a stalemate they they're not increasing at the rate at which our cost of living is increasing so you know mm. times are getting very very difficult for certain people and yeah. you know it it, it, it will, right now it just looks like it's just going to get more and more difficult yeah yeah definitely um it's it's difficult for a lot of different countries as well um so you know in in other news uh, it's quite interesting as well that US streaming service Netflix has uh, has revealed that it lost almost a million subscribers during the past 3 months of its uh, for its financial year as the global cost of living crisis takes uh, takes toll on family and ent- you know entertainment budgets as well the economy uh, the company reported that it had 970,000 fewer customers in uh, in the period having warned in April that the number could extend to 2 million as a series of challenges faced the business however it said that it was forecasting a return to subscriber growth in the current quarter so that's quite optimistic by them as well but they've they've lost they've lost a million they lost a million subscribers and who would think you know before you know when netflix was you know was 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 you know i mean it has been there for quite a long time as well we may not realize, realize it but it's been there for quite a bit but you know a couple of years ago who would think that you know this uh, this would happen everyone thought that maybe they would just keep on gaining subscribers with all of these different shows all of these different series which are coming out on a very very regular basis um you know you, you know it's it's is it it just goes to show that when it comes to when it comes to the necessities you know the necessities of life we don't need these things to you know to 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 actually to, to worry about that much we need to worry about the main things the essentials and then when you know if we if we don't even have enough money for the essentials then these things are just pointless isn't it yes definitely in, in a way yeah i mean of 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 course you I mean you have to think about the things that you need 100% first yeah. and you know i think i think that does kind of tie in with the cost of uh, living as well cuz for some people netflix maybe maybe a necessity and mm. before when netflix did have you know a lot a lot of content a lot of different uh, various different movies and tv series and documentaries or what not which you can watch but because of the competitors because of you know the likes of you know amazon or disney and all these other streaming uh, streaming uh, sort of uh, the uh, companies and um, groups because of the rise in these competitors and because taking away licenses for licenses from other companies because of that the same catalog of you know of tv series or movies or documentaries and what not hmm. it's spread across different different platforms which makes it more and more expensive to be able to watch each and every single one of them so you know that yeah. that's also tied with the cost of living yeah you know no yeah, definitely so, definitely Um in the UK the, the I mean talking about the UK government um the final two candidates in the conservative leadership contest will be decided today as the as, as you know as the hopeful uh, the hopeful's edge closer to the top job and Downing Street three runners remain in the race Rishi Sunak Penny Mordaunt and Liz Truss 
um, after you know uh, after some you know some people were knocked out of the competition uh, earlier on as well. They'll face one more ballot from Tory MPs today, with the result announced at 4 p.m. before before the top to embark on a summer of campaign ahead of a vote by the wider party membership, and the winner is expected to be announced on the 5th of September. Uh, so we still have a month and a bit. Uh, left for that as well, about a month and a half and around about. Um, but the Conservative MPs focus on their next boss. The Their current one, Boris Johnson, will take part in his final appearance at Prime Minister's Questions from 12pm. While he will remain in post until the next leader is confirmed, Par- uh, Parliament is due to shut up shop for the summer for the summer recess this week, meaning that no more appearances from Mr. Johnson at the dispatch box as Prime Minister. So it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. He also said uh, he also held his final cabinet meeting in in, in Number Ten on Tuesday uh, with Defence Secretary um, describing the mood as one of sadness. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it is. I mean, we're in that we're in that period now, isn't it? We're gonna we're gonna get our next uh, prime minister, but you know, the other prime ministers resigned also, the ones that were before him. Um, you know, every one prime every prime minister who came after the next, we thought, well, <laughs> how did this even how did this even happen? And then now we, now you know we're sort of seeing the same thing as well. So let's let's you know let's see. What will happen? It will be announced on the fifth of fifth of September. So uh, you know, after after another ballot, we're gonna you know we're gonna see we're gonna see who we are actually gonna go gonna go for. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully the the the, the MPs they they um, choose uh, someone who can actually you know fit who is fit for the job. Who can you know, serve the country uh, properly as well? Um, what about you know that's you know that's you know that, that's that's the news as well. But what about sports? Anything that's uh, interesting in your in your mind? I mean, um, uh, if you've been following the the transfer market this yeah. uh, this summer, you be you know that there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on there uh, in that regards um, <laughs> in that definitely, side of things. Definitely. So as in we've seen you know many many transfers going on, you know, the likes of Calvin Phillips to Manchester City, Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal, mm. just recently um, Zinchenko from City to Arsenal as well was confirmed. Um, Barcelona and very here we go, yeah. very, here we go. Here we go from Fabrizio. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, Barcelona have been very very busy um, has been busy yeah. Christensen Kessier Rafinha Lewandowski I mean very very big big transfers and uh, uh, Laporta the, the the director has said that you know they're looking to strengthen their defence now I feel like I think they're now looking for you know to get the deal done with Aspilicueta they're looking at Kunde as well from Sevilla I mean uh, Lot very very busy Paul very, Pogba very, to very Juventus yeah, Di Maria to Juventus um, I mean it's very I don't know about you, but I am very, very excited for this for, new for season, which season, is about to start. Season, yeah. I'm very, very pumped. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of clubs are rebuilding, the likes of Arsenal and Barcelona, you know, they had a downfall. I feel like now, who knows where Barcelona's get their money from, but they are yeah, making the transfers. True. They are making the transfers. That's we can't true, question that's it. True. Um as an Arsenal fan, I'm very, very excited. Another transfer season, we're, we're spending another hundred million. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's very exciting for me. But you <laughs> it's know, it's, it's it is very exciting as well. But it's 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 about 
it's about them them players actually coming in having an impact on the on the game as well we see that we see in arsenal you know they do tend to get uh, get players here and there but but sometimes you see that they they're not they're not maybe fit for the job you know maybe sometimes you see that or maybe they're getting old the or, you know the the previous club they were just selling them anyway or maybe they were a free agent and then we just got them like that uh, but it's it, you know it's a, it, it's something which you you would see uh, and you, you won't be that much convinced but you, you're convinced now then I'm, co- I'm convinced I feel like we're <laughs> going to get top 4 Tottenham are going to go back uh, bottom uh, go below us um, we're still the better after club so, we're still the better so club long, in London after so, so long um, yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, yeah I feel like you know I'm very very excited uh, a good transfer season I feel like we're still po- probably going to you know add a few more players to uh, the, the new startup and mm, um, mm. yeah it's just very very exciting I mean the the I mean the transfer window is going to close in a bit as well and uh, you know in a few in a few days 10-15 uh, days the, the season is going to start anyway isn't it in the beginning of uh, of August so you know it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be good it's going to be very interesting and also you know we, we we still have we still have the World Cup to to, to look forward Definitely to as well in December yeah and that's gonna be that's gonna be something uh, also. It's gonna be gonna be amazing. I feel like the you know the, it'll be the final World Cup for the two for the you know two, greatest players the in the world. For the two goats, for the two um, goats, definitely. Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, very 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 exciting. I feel like Argentina are on a very very strong run. They haven't yeah. been beaten for I think almost like three years. There's a very very good stat there, and uh, just generally having you know. Football. I mean, they won the Copa Copa America. Then they came and uh, they faced uh, they faced uh, Italy. They face Italy for the uh, you know for the finalissima, mm-hmm. for the finalissima, and yes. uh, you know the winners of Europe, the winners of Copa America, which happened after so many years as well, and uh, you know Maradona won that, Maradona won that once, uh, and uh, Lionel Messi has also won that as well, um, so you know that was a very good match as well, and you know it's like you said, Argentina are looking very very strong, yeah, Portugal are looking strong as well, you know, um, Cristiano Ronaldo being there as well. I mean, they did win the Euros last time, um, but uh, you know, um, let's see, let's see, let's see who will, let's see who will. France, France are looking France, very yeah, strong as well. Yeah, uh, you know, we've got a good team. England's got a good team as well. But uh, you know, England are always a bit edgy. You know, always, always a bit keep edgy. you on your toes. They keep always you on your, your toes. toes. I mean, they. Would, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, yeah, we still have the we still have the World Cup to look forward to as well. I mean, you can't forget Brazil, isn't it? Of course, you can't you can forget Brazil with all the youngsters that they have in Vinicius Junior, and a lot of you know a lot of different other uh, you know a lot of other players that you know which they have uh, which they have is also it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be it's gonna be a season and also you know I'm looking forward I'm gonna look forward to look forward to La Liga as well with Barcelona I mean last time last couple of years Barcelona have you know just like you said they. Bit of a, a bit, a bit of a a bit of a downfall as well, a bit of a downfall. Um, you know, Atletico Madrid doing better than them as well. Mm. But uh, of course, you know, the kings of the kings of Spain are definitely the kings of Spain, the kings of Europe are definitely Real Madrid. Um, you know, winning winning La Liga, winning the Champions League as well. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll keep we'll keep it we'll keep it like that as well. We'll keep it in the Santiago Bernabeu <laughs> the next time. Well. You can tell that he's a Real Madrid supporter, <laughs> can't we? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you, you signed uh, uh, Chuameni. He's a well, you know, he's a class class player. Young players, isn't Monaco. it? Young, yeah, very he's, upcoming as well. Yeah, he's a, he's a player I love to watch. I've seen very a lot of clips of him. I've seen some of his games as well. Mm. Camavinga as well. We, we still haven't seen him properly 
his flair and glare as well. I mean, he do he did have a good impact in the Champions League and of course La Liga as well. But uh, you know, he's still young, still upcoming. So you've got quite a few youngsters: uh, Rod, uh, Rodrigo, uh, Vinicius Junior. We still have these players, and of course, you can't forget the king. You can't forget Benzi. Can't forget <laughs> Benzema. Benzema. You can definitely can't forget him as well. So hopefully, all of these players do well as well. And I mean, looking, I'm looking forward to El Clasico next season as, uh, as well. So that's going to be that's going to be that's going to be uh, a, a nice one. And all, of course, you know, Premier the Premier League is getting stronger and stronger by by the season. Uh, City are very much dominant as well, but uh, you can't leave you can't leave Liverpool behind as well. Um, Chelsea are also you know a very strong team, mm-hmm. and now you know Arsenal are looking pretty decent as well, pretty decent. I mean, Manu, yes, new manager, you know, Eric Ten Hag. I feel, I feel like he, I feel like he will pull something through, and you know, turn Manchester. I mean, hopefully, United, hopefully, turn Manu deserve United it, isn't it? Back into the team which was you know dominating world football at one point. Mm. So um, yeah, I feel like Eric Ten Hag, Ten Hag is probably not going to be one season wonder, but it'll, it'll take a couple of seasons maybe to adapt and you know mm. get the right players at once. But yeah, I mean, with the likes of you know Eric Hart, uh, Erling Haaland, sorry, coming into Manchester City is just that's gonna be adding that, that to their you know they used to play teams without a striker. They used to play with three six midfielders at one point, mm. and now they have an out and out striker. Now they have an, and and the proven and striker, class, yeah. what a class striker. Definitely. So um, I mean, just get more and more dominant, and it's not even like they're they're spending big money and not getting any money. I mean. They're currently in a profit with the transfers mm. that they've done, uh, so yeah, I mean, good business from Manchester City from their behalf. Um, I mean, very exciting, very exciting, all very exciting, definitely. So yeah, and that's uh, that's our news roundup for this morning. Uh, it's it it is an interactive show. If you want to get in touch with us, the number to call in as always is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. We're going to be taking a very short break, uh, and right after that, we'll get into our first segment. We have three main segments. Uh, three main topics that we're going to be speaking about uh, today. We're going to be, after a quick news, after a quick uh, break uh, for the news, we're going to be speaking uh, speaking about uh, the map of ancient trees and, you know, of course, tree planting and all of this as well, which is related to that. So we're going to be speaking about that just after a short break. And then after the news break, we're going to be speaking about the environmentalists want to get rid of biofuels. So that's something very interesting as well. These topics sort of, um, you know, go, go hand in hand kind of as well. And then uh, towards the latter part of the show, we're going to be speaking about apprenticeships uh, and also university degrees as well. Um, 0208687 is the number for you to call. Uh, join us after a very short break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Taqwa is a tree that should be planted in the heart. The very water which nourishes taqwa irrigates the whole garden. Taqwa is a root without which everything is meaningless, and if it remains intact, then nothing is lost. What benefit is there for a man in indulging himself in the useless activity of claiming with his tongue that he seeks God while he has no sure footing with his Lord? Look, I say to you truly and sincerely that ruined is he 
whose faith is tainted by even a hint of worldliness. Hell is very close to that soul, all of whose intentions are not for God, rather some of them are for God and others are for the world. Thus, if you have an iota of worldly adulteration in your intentions, all your worship is in vain. In such a case, you do not follow God, rather you follow Satan. Never ever expect that when you are in such a condition, God will help you. Rather, in this condition, you are a worm of the earth, and soon you will perish, just as worms of the earth do. And God shall not be in you, rather, he will be happy to destroy you. But if you, in reality, die by killing your baser selves, then you shall appear in God, and God shall be with you. Verily I tell you truly, that whosoever evades even the least of the seven hundred commandments embodied in the Holy Quran, slams the door of salvation upon himself. The real and perfect paths of salvation have been opened by the Holy Quran. All others were only its shadows. Therefore you should study this Holy Scripture with the utmost attention and deepest thought, and you should love it as you have never loved anything else. For indeed, as God has conveyed to me, Al-Khayru kulluhu fil Quran. All good lies in the Quran. All kinds of good are to be found in it, and this is the truth. Allah, 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 Allah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, just to just to begin with, uh, we're speaking. We're talking about the map of uh, of ancient trees. There's a brief uh, introduction as well. Uh, let's listen. Let's listen to that right now. That a single mature tree can absorb carbon dioxide from the ra- uh, from the air at a rate of about 48 pounds per year. Of course, it will vary based on where the trees are located. And they release enough oxygen to support two human beings. Look at the value of the trees. And over a 50-year time period, a tree can generate $31,250 worth of oxygen, provide $62,000 worth of air pollution control, and that's one other aspect we'd like to touch today with uh, Toso as well. Recycling worth of $37,500 worth of water, and it controls about $31,250 worth of soil erosion. So welcome back, Toso. With this introduction, then we were talking about it that now there's a trend to put some value on these trees. So here are some figures. So what, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Here in, uh, in Alberta and Canada, pretty much, uh, we call all, the, all of those values environmental goods and services. Dr. Environmental Marcy. goods and services. services. Okay. Because those trees uh, provide us that for free, right. quite frankly. Right. Right. And now the moment we remove those trees, we as a human being, we try to reconstruct, and the right. moment we try to reconstruct, it yeah. costs us some money. So we are not talking of only trees in the forest, we are talking of trees on our boulevards, in our homes, and everything. 
So that was just a little brief introduction to to this topic. Um, let's um, let's speak to our first guest for the morning, Tom Reader, who's an associate professor in the School of Life Sciences at the University of Nottingham, and also an ecologist who studies a wide range of questions about dio, uh, biodiversity distribution and animal signals inv- evolution as well. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show, Tom. Uh, good morning. Thank you, thank you for joining us this morning. Now, just to begin, what what is the significance and importance of uh, of ancient trees and plants and uh, maintaining the biodiversity of the UK? Uh, well, ancient trees are hugely significant individuals within the tree population um, because because they've stood for many many centuries. In in some cases, they are a home to a huge range of different animals and plants and fungi as they grow older they accumulate biodiversity so they become these reservoirs of diversity um, their their bark and their branches are home to all kinds of um, animals hiding away or fungi growing in dead wood um, and often these are species which are found nowhere else so without these ancient trees we would mm. lose those species altogether and then the other thing is of course these trees are often culturally really important they've stood through centuries of human civilization and they've seen wars come and go they've uh, they've been the site of famous events in history and they're just really important to local people hmm. i mean before we actually get into some more detail as well can you tell us what one ancient tree is i mean you know what tree is but what's what's an ancient tree what kind of trees can sort of uh, grow this old and become ancient yeah, well, of course, trees are—I mean—are really special because they can can last for many, many, many years compared mm. with other types of organisms. Um, so many trees have been around for potentially centuries, and yet we wouldn't consider them to be ancient because, uh, in fact, they might be in the prime of life, still, yeah. still with many centuries to go. So, what we we do is we look for trees which have those characteristics of um, uh, of aging which make them so important for biodiversity. So, cracking or bark that's fallen off. Uh, pools of water in amongst the branches. Maybe the crown has opened up. Um, uh, there might be other plants growing inside these trees, dead wood, hollow trunks. Uh, and those those trees that have those characteristics are considered to be at least veteran. And then amongst the veteran trees, those which are the very oldest individuals, so that, that can be shown to be the oldest individuals in the population, we consider to be ancient. Mm, yes, and considering mapping these ancient ancient trees, you know, putting them on on a, on, a, on a graph or trying to get them on a map, what's uh, what's the use of mathematical models to you know predict uh, where certain species of these ancient trees can be found, or what other you know techniques may you use to locate these uh, these ancient trees? Yeah, well. So with, with all wildlife, one of the biggest challenges, if you're trying to think about maybe conservation action, is, is knowing where species are. And although in the UK we have really excellent records for a lot of different species, including ancient trees, we're only ever scraping the tip of the iceberg um, in terms of the, the, uh, the records of, of, of a species. So what modelling can do is it can help us to um, fill in the gaps to understand uh, in the whole country, in the case of the UK, uh, in, in our modelling, we were looking at the whole of the UK, uh, to understand where individuals might be that we have never seen or recorded, or at least uh, nobody, nobody's put into a database. And we were in a, a great position with ancient trees in particular because we were starting with hundreds of thousands of, of good records from the Woodland Trust and their army of volunteers who have, over the last uh, 15 years, recorded 
uh, trees across the country. And then from those records, we can then build mathematical models that look for patterns in the distribution of those records and then ex extrapolate or predict into areas where we don't have records to say, well, which, which places are likely to have these trees. And as a result, we now have a, uh, what we think is a, a much more complete prediction of, of the total population in the UK. So, for example, we can now start to think about which places we might want to try to put in place conservation actions. Yeah, I mean, you, you are an expert and you, you, the way you just told us about that, it sounds it sounds like uh, you know, it may seem a bit easy, but how difficult is this task of, you know, locating and mapping and finding these these trees, these ancient trees? Like, how difficult is it really to, you know, complete these tasks? Yeah, well, I guess uh, compared with some species, maybe some small insects or uh, difficult to identify plants, working with trees is relatively easy. They stay still, they're big. Um, and they're relatively easy to identify to species. But um, nevertheless, I've talked about those characteristics of ancient trees which are not necessarily easy to judge, and so we've relied on some really expert volunteers for the Woodland Trust who are able to um, look at a tree and assess the characteristics and the age um, and figure out whether or not it's ancient. So, so that's um, quite challenging. Uh, and a, a big issue in the UK is... Um, land ownership and land access so it's it's very difficult to to know what trees you might have if if they're behind a high wall if they're on private land they might be miles from the nearest road or, or town so that's a, an important reason why we need the modeling so how can we use these methods to uh, conserve these rare ancient trees better yeah well like i say i guess the in order to to do conservation the first thing you need to know is, is what what you've got and where it is um, and uh, the model predictions we have, which will tell us things about the sorts of locations that are likely to be good for ancient trees. Um, and that then allows us to go and do more surveys to uh, assess not just whether the model predictions are correct, but also um, what possible threats there might be in those locations. So um, ancient trees, they have to survive for hundreds and hundreds of years just to become ancient. And during that time, they're under threat from all kinds of different um, uh, forces in the landscape, people chopping them down to build things, or maybe um, uh, farming can lead to compaction or destruction of the roots. Um, there's diseases, there's climate change causing problems. So, um, if we if we um, if we know where trees are and we can assess uh, those threats, then we stand a chance of um, being able to make policies which might help those trees. So, one of the things that's been suggested is that we could. And while the Woodland Trust is, is very keen on um, lobbying government to put in place protection for these really special ancient individuals that might be kind of similar to the protection that we give uh, ancient buildings. We recognise that ancient old buildings are really important culturally. Um, and, you know, most towns and villages in the UK have some buildings which are protected by law. But ancient trees at the moment are not protected at all. So by knowing where they are, by understanding about the threats, then maybe we can put in place policies which which protect them for future generations. Absolutely, absolutely. Tom, what, what, what can we do? What can the general public do as well um, to, to help in this cause? So the really nice thing about ancient trees is, although it does take a bit of expertise to understand whether or not you're looking at an ancient tree rather than just a mature tree, hmm. they're relatively easy to find and relatively easy to classify. So um, there's a brilliant website uh, if you... If you internet search for the ancient tree inventory then um, you can any member of the public can get involved in submitting records to the woodland trust um, you can say um, you, you can follow the instructions on how to be sure what, what you're looking at 
If you think you've found an ancient tree, you can find out whether somebody else has already recorded it, and if they haven't, then you can enter your own records. And that simple act will gradually build this data set, which will mean better modelling, better conservation action in the future. Absolutely. Tom Reader, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure um, uh, speaking to you, and uh, have a lovely day. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks very much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. That was, uh, you know, quite interesting um, listening to and speaking to Tom Tom Reader, um, who's an associate professor uh, in the School of Life Sciences at the University of Nottingham as well. Um, so, you know, recognizing these trees is uh, is quite, you know, takes quite, you know, takes quite a bit. You need to understand how, you know, uh, you know, different things about about the tree as well, but also maintaining and preserving these trees is uh, is very much important. Is is you know we we take care of we take care of buildings just like Tom said we take care of ancient buildings because they can be important for um, you know you know for 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 different communities as well but taking care of uh, of our trees taking care of our plants and all of these things are also are also very much important a lot of you know a lot of the time we see that trees plants all of these things are being chopped down they're being chopped down for you know of course for for products for goods. But they, you know, they, 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 the trees aren't being planted in the same manner as all deforestation is happening. But, uh, you know, this is why his holiness, somebody asked his holiness about, uh, you know, about what can we do to play our part in, uh, you know, in, in climate change, right? And his holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadi Muslim community and the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, has Mizam Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. He said that you know you should you should you should try to plant trees as, as much as possible. If you, every single person of the community plants at least two trees in a year, and that will make a huge impact. You know, you know, trees they don't just have to be in, in your local residence or in your your local area, because trees you know because trees are so um, you know even if if in a tree is somewhere else, that can still help, you know benefit the benefit the society as well. It's not just; it doesn't just have to be in that in that same locality. So these trees, these things are very much important that we plant these trees as well. If we chop them down, then at least plant uh, plant new trees as well, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. I feel Get like that oxygen uh, back in, see, the, in the in the air. Yep, hundred percent. I see. Like a lot of companies as well, they have taken taken it upon themselves that if you know maybe tissue roll companies or toilet roll companies um, or paper companies, they have this policy now where. Um, where if they take down one tree and return, they'll plant three trees. So hmm. more than ever before, people have been, you know, more aware of this issue. People are actually, you know, taking into account and understanding hmm. the, you know, the, the the potential harm, not just the potential harm, the harm that it has caused the world, you know, the level of CO2 and, you know, the gases in the atmosphere and whatnot. Yeah. A lot of people have become more aware of this, which is very, very good. And you know, like you just mentioned, it is uh, you know our our right to you know to protect the world that we live in. That's, that's something mm. that Islam teaches as well. To you know make the place that you live in a place where you would want to live in, a place where you find peace, a place where you mm. are comfortable, a place where you know you are living healthily. So this is very important that you know if we that we take care of the environment, and a big part of that is. You know, taking care of our trees and taking, making sure that if we do, if we do take, 
you know cut down a tree for some sort of benefit or some sort of use that we do plant something in mm. return you know not Definitely. just plant one in return plant more in return so that you know it's it's more it's a growth rather than a reduction absolutely absolutely now what are the characteristics of these trees as well? I mean we may look at a tree but we may not realize that it's actually an ancient tree so it will be ho- having hol- a hollowing trunk we dead wood in the in the canopy and presence of other organisms on its structure as well um so something that you maybe you may find it in the woods as well <laughs> so how are these trees endangered well obviously you know they don't they don't have an automatic legal protection they are being uh, uh fell to clear land and uh, not enough people are aware of the of the significance as well you know and it's difficult to identify them you know without careful without careful research you may just see a tree it may just look old but it might not actually be that old it may not actually be that old and um looking at a tree and you may think that it's, uh, it's it's just a normal tree but it might actually be an ancient tree right so it's uh, you know the 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 website which uh, which Tom our previous guest spoke about as well um we, you know go on to that one as well listen to different uh, different things or how we can actually preserve trees how we can look after our environment uh, because uh, you know if we don't then all of this global warming and uh, uh, climate change will will happen more drastically as well hotter summers as like we're seeing and colder winters as well um we see that in a verse of the holy quran verse 20 of uh, chapter 51 of the holy quran um it states that the hallmark of a true muslim is that he should care for all of god's creation and should comfort and support those who are in need whether they seek their help or whether they do not seek their help hence it, it's not it's not just in it's not enough for a muslim to wait until someone asks for help rather it's this the duty to recognize the suffering of others and to make whatever sacrifices are required in order to help them overcome their challenges and their troubles as well of course you know where the holy quran mentioned those people who ask and those people who do not ask and those people who do not ask can be in various different categories in the human form you know in humans pe- people who don't ask you are humans they don't some they some sometimes they may not ask because they may feel ashamed they don't want to ask they don't want to beg and uh, looking at the condition you will know that they need the help they need the assistance but also in this category are those animals you know and they can't physically ask trees plants they can't physically ask you know they can't ask to they can't ask us for help that's why allah the almighty mentioned very beautifully very subtly that you know look out for those people look out for those animals look out for those plants those vegetations all of those things which uh, you know which which are in need of our help of our assistance and then we should go out there and uh, and definitely help them definitely i mean uh, just with that in mind a very you mm. know a very a uh, beautiful instant of the life of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him uh, just comes to mind it is when um, mm. uh, there, there there was a bird's nest and uh, the bird there was a mother 
and uh, its chick got taken taken away and you know the bird was you know making noise and you could see that it was in discomfort and the holy prophet uh, peace be upon him he he inquired as who has caused this bird distress uh, who has taken away its uh, chick its child hmm. then you know once he found out he ordered for you know the child to be returned to its mother i mean hmm. the bird did not ask for help but it was visible that it was, it was in distress and you know this example can be you know expounded and you know taken onto a bigger level a bigger a bigger extent and we see that the environment we might not hear the cries for help of the environment but we yeah. can see the cries for help we can see that there's damage happening we can see that this deforestation we can see you know uh, fires in forest and and you know so many other things which cause the environment harm and cause you know distress to the planet that we live in so it is our you know our duty as people who you know live in this world who our you know we pretty much are in charge of the world in the mm. sense that it is us that you know build things it is us that you know takes the most benefit from this world yeah. so why should we not you know help it and you know make it a better place or make it a safe place for us to live in you know talking about talking about chopping trees down and all of these things or climate change it's definitely a big it's definitely a big issue but you know somebody asked his holiness that uh, you know what else can we do you know what else can we do for for climate change so you know his holiness he he said that you know one of the things that we can do is that people are becoming a lot uh, a lot lazy these days people are becoming uh, um you know they're becoming used to all of these ease that uh, that we have you know you get in the car you go to wherever you need to go and then you come back and people don't people aren't walking these days people aren't using cycles you know bicycles these days as well his holiness said that you know if 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 you, you if you just need to go like a mile away or, or maybe even less than that you know if you need to go a couple of a uh, couple of meters away some people they will just get in their car go to that place um get wherever they need to get maybe there's groceries or whatever they need to do get the goods and then go and then go back in, in their car and his holiness said that you know people people are becoming lazy we should get we should be used to walking not you know we, there's a lot of people who don't even walk these days there's a lot of people who don't even cycle these days so cycling is also very key it's not just good for the environment but it's good for your for your physical health as well and uh, these things are very much important and you know don't take your car uh, if you just need to go like you know half a mile half a mile away just 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 walk it you know that's why he's holiness said and also he said that uh which i just mentioned before that every single person if they at least plant two trees two trees um so that would be say for example right if there's 30 if there's 30,000 people in the in the in the community here in the UK the Ahmadiyya Muslim community so how much would that that'll be 60,000 60,000 trees will be planted in a year So that's uh you know that's that's a, that's a lot that's a staggering amount very of, achievable of trees. as well very achievable as well i mean there's a lot of different agencies which help you do that anyway so all of these things are very very much important taking care of the environment doesn't just mean that we don't have that we get rid of plastic for plastic uh, uh straws and all of these things but you know walking as well yeah, cycling 
you you know using things more than once and not be not being lazy you know these things are very very much important and they go very much in hand with the with the teachings with the teachings of Islam so this was our this was our first segment for this morning hopefully you know you guys are enjoying it as well um after the news break we're going to be getting straight into our next topic which we are going to be speaking about uh, another topic about the environment in fact the environment uh, environmentalists want to get rid of uh, of biofuels so that's going to be very very interesting as well do stay tuned as we speak about that after the news break grab yourself a coffee we'll be back after a little bit Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum wa Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. In this part of the show, we are going to be speaking about. Uh, uh, we'll discuss uh, how more farmland for biofuel means less farmland for food, which uh, impacts prices. And uh, in fact, you know, environmentalists want to get rid of biofuel as well. Now, the it's interesting that biofuels are, are fuels created from uh, renewable organic uh, materials. And this includes vegetable oils from plants such as oil seed, rate, uh, 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 sh- sugar beet, waste cooking oils, and also wheat as well. And this includes plants, algae material, including wood, and uh, animal waste as well. Now, the fuel sustains itself because it uh, because it's continually replenished naturally by the by the life cycle. And they are considered renewable energy sources, and this means that it has an alternative to fossil fuels such as coal, oil, and natural gas. And these substances must you know they must be developed over time and extracted from under the ground using expensive and environmentally damaging process and you can imagine as well and they also they also being consumed far far faster than they are produced and uh, cause much more pollution uh, as well so that's um uh you know that's just a brief uh, brief introduction as well we'll speak let's speak to let's speak to our first guest for this part of the show lydia from green alliance assalamualaikum peace be upon you good morning and welcome to the show hi thanks for having me on thanks for for, for joining us this morning now to begin with for the for the benefit of our of our listeners could you please 
Um, tell us about uh, Green Alliance and what, what what sort of the aims and objectives. Yeah, sure. Um, so Green Alliance is a think tank that aims to influence the UK government's environmental policy. So we're interested in net goal, net zero goals being delivered and um, nature declines being reversed. Um, and we're interested in doing it, that in a way that's good uh, for people as well. So Green Alliance do bits of research. Often um, we build on things that academics might have done or we work with other NGO partners or we do things entirely ourselves to give us something that we think is interesting and important um, that mm. could help change the direction of policy um, for the better. So we work um, closely with people in Parliament, with civil servants. We put things in the press, um, like with biofuels work, if we think it's something that's of interest to Hmm. the general public where like having that attention could help um shift action um so we're independent we're not affiliated to a particular political party um right. as some think tanks are so we aim to have influence whether it's a conservative or a labor government um, which is appropriate given that we need really ambitious action on climate change and nature in the next in the next decade regardless of um who it is that's, that's running the country definitely so your role is a you know a policy analyst. So what does that involve? What sort of tasks do you specifically do? So I essentially do research into areas of environmental policy that we're funded to to look into that we're interested in influencing the government on. Um, so I'll research particular questions that might be about how it's best to for the government to spend money delivering nature and food on farmland in the UK or looking at the pros and cons of um, different methods for removing greenhouse gases from the atmosphere, which is something that we're going to have to do to meet net zero. So um, I do that research in collaboration with with colleagues and um, having done it, I'll then be involved in writing up reports, in presenting it to the relevant people um, and I might get involved in the media outreach as well like um, like I'm doing here with the biofuel stuff. That's great, that's great stuff. Um, just to get um, a bit more information as well, we spoke a little bit about this before we got you on as well, but what are biofuels and what products are sort of you know derived from biofuels? So really simply, a biofuel is a fuel that's made from plants or from organic matter. Um, so the fuels that we're most used to are petrol or diesel that you put in your car, which are fossil fuel based. Yeah. Um, but making fuels from plants is an alternative way uh, to get a fuel that you can put in your car instead. So bioethanol and biodiesel are the two most common types of biofuel. And about 5% of the petrol and the diesel that you get um, from the petrol station actually is bioethanol and biodiesel. Um, so it all gets mixed in together and you don't actually realise when you're that what you're putting in your car has got some biofuel, a small amount mixed into it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how has the UK biofuel industry grown in, in, in the past decade or so? Uh, so in the last decade, the use of biofuels in transport in the UK has more than doubled. Um, but most of that has come from increasing imports rather than actually giving over more land within this country um, to biofuels, although um, some land in this country is used as less than 1% of UK arable land um, and two-thirds of uh, the land used to grow the crops that uh, we make 
that biofuel made from is, is, is used in this country is overseas. Um, so in total, it's about 100,000 hectares of land, which is 1,000 square kilometres of land um, that is used to grow the crops that are then uh, that biofuel is made from to be consumed in this country. Mm-hmm. You spoke about you spoke about how you know the f- the fuel that we put into our our cars is all petrol and diesel. Um, that's also this as well. But is that one of the reasons why you know we we're, we're sort of getting rid of diesel cars um, totally, or is that something is that something not linked to it? So um, the the thing about um, fossil fuel based fuels and about biofuels is that we now have a really good option that is neither of them, which is electric vehicles um which are a much cleaner um alternative so we're gonna see a decline of petrol and diesel vehicles because electric um cars powered by renewable energy is a much cleaner a better for the environment option now Mm. okay definitely and you know you spoke about how you know how much land we have for these biofuels and for you know their production but why is there a rising demand for biofuels across the uk Demand has come from policies that have incentivized biofuel production in an attempt to have more climate-friendly fuels. And this idea comes from when you use a biofuel, the emissions released on using it are equal to those captured when the crop grew, is the idea. Um, So it's seen as a net zero fuel, unlike petrol or diesel which are net emitters they net release um, greenhouse gases into the atmosphere Um, but the problem is that these policies incentivizing biofuel production have unintended consequences that mean biofuels aren't really a more climate friendly option for for powering surface transport at all Um, because there's already huge pressure on land because of all the food that we need to uh, keep everyone fed and um, the loss of natural habitat from agricultural expansion is the single worst thing for biodiversity and it releases loads of carbon into the atmosphere as well. Um, So what policy incentivizing biofuels has done is to drive the need for an even larger area to be farmed. So potentially you're having a forest clear to make way for crop production to then go into biofuels. So if you weren't producing that biofuel, you could have natural habitat where that land is instead, and that would be a massive carbon sink. Mm-hmm. Um, so with electric vehicles as an alternative option, it just doesn't make sense um, to be to be doing this with biofuels. And our work looked specifically in the context of the Ukraine conflict, um, because Ukraine produces a lot of grains for export countries like Egypt and Lebanon get most of their wheat from Ukraine so obviously there's food security concerns um, because production is is going to be down um, this harvest and what our bit of work shows is that rather than turning those grains into biofuels that are consumed in the UK if instead people were eating those grains um, then three and a half million people could be fed um, rather than turning those biofuels um into fuel for transport yeah yeah and how does how does biofuel compare to uh other renewable sources of energy um in terms of its advantages or its disadvantages and you know maybe the cost of production so renewable energy is definitely cheaper um 
onshore wind is now the cheapest way to generate energy um, in the UK. Um, and in terms of environmental impact, renewables are much lower than biofuels generally because that spatial footprint needed is much lower. Um, so there's many types of renewable energy that would be a better environmental option than biofuels. Absolutely, absolutely. Lydia, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you once again and uh, have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Lydia from Green Alliance. Uh, very interesting uh, speaking speaking to her as well. Um, you know, renewable energy, um, you know, we do, I think we need to make, you know, set sort of, you know, more means, making more, um, raise the awareness more, you know, because a lot of people would just think about uh, other things, um, you know, when it comes to preserving, preserving the, preserving the, you know, earth and uh, not using these uh, fossil fuels and burning these fossil fuels because, they, I mean, of course, these are all contributors to, 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 to climate change, isn't it? Um, I mean, our first in our first segment, we spoke about trees and how trees are very much important. They produce, you know, the oxygen that we that we that we breathe uh, as well. So it's not just it's not just about it's not just about looking out for ourselves. It's you know looking out for the whole world uh, at large as well. So wherever we can reduce these burning, um, you know, burning fossil fuels, that's um, it's it's uh, you know it's something that we should do. Let's speak to our next guest who is on the line with us, Katie from Biofuel Watch. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Katie. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, to begin with, for the benefit of our listeners, could you please tell us uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, Biofuel Watch and uh, sort of its aims and objectives? So, Biofuel Watch, um, we focus on the issue of biofuels and um, all of the problems associated with them um, so the climate environmental impacts and also the the human um, human rights um, impacts of biofuels mm. um, a big focus of ours has been um, been in biofuels um, for electricity um, in the UK because we have um, Drax Power Station mm. which um, burns wood and is the biggest climate emitter in the UK um, but also especially in light of recent events um, <clears throat> with um, you know food shortages we've refocused on um, the issues of um, biofuels um, like you know food crops being used um, as fuel um, so we try to promote sustainable alternatives and um, highlight all, all the issues related to using using bio, you know, crops and bioenergy um, in the UK and and abroad. Hmm. I see, I see. And what are what are the specific you know disadvantages, the issues with biofuels that you, you know you research, or what you know in terms of rank, what are the biggest disadvantages that come from the use of biofuels or you know how you know they're produced well it, it would actually be hard to rank the the issues um because they're all kind of e- equally significant and equally harmful so 
study after study shows that if you take into account indirect land use change, that biofuels are no better and in some cases worse than using fossil fuels. Um, particularly palm oil and soya, like they're significantly worse. Palm oils is three times as bad for the climate. Um, if you think about um, the land use, um, you're using land that could be available for for nature and turning it into um, plantations. Um, but also, as has been highlighted recently, there's the, the issue of hunger and you know biofuels are going into you know engines to to fuel cars and people are going hungry Mm. um and it's quite difficult to to um to rank which of those are is more uh you know more harmful um but generally they sort of expand the the agricultural frontier so we're using more and more land to grow crops. That means more fossil fuel-based fertilisers. Or people go hungry because you're not growing the extra foods to compensate. There's increased emissions of nitrous oxides, which is an extremely powerful greenhouse gas, more powerful than methane. So biofuels are bad for the climate, nature and people. Um, it's competition with food significantly. And also in some parts of the world, biofuel production is associated with widespread land grabbing and evictions and it's hard it's hard to rank which of mm-hmm. those which of those impacts are, are worse because they're all they're all pretty um serious yes yeah, yeah, it does sound like they are very very serious mm-hmm. and you said that you know for the production of biofuels you know you use up a, lo- a lot of land which you said that can be used for nature and plantations is that the main reason why the cost of you know food is increasing and you know what how severe is the impact on food prices because of uh, you know using land for biofuels rather than you know vegetation and plantations etc well at the moment it's been particularly highlighted and exacerbated by um what's happening in Ukraine and Russia um because we're losing, the global market is losing significant amounts of wheat, um, which is a key food crop and also a key bioenergy crop. So the, it's kind of um, putting pressure on the, those, the competition between those two things. Um, so if you were to immediately suspend putting biofuels into car engines um we could significantly redress the balance um for example um nine, i think 19 um sorry we've been in europe nine, the equivalent of 19 million bottles of rapeseed and sunflower oil every single day oh, wow. and um that would be enough um, suspending that would be enough to make a massive difference to the global food crisis. Similarly, um, we burn, well, by converting wheat into ethanol, Europe burns the equivalent of 15 million loaves of bread in cars. And that, so that could be fed to people. And obviously, 
it's you know the system that we live under um the way the market works is that that competition directly leads to an increase in food prices so it's it's significant the the impact of burning crops for fuel because if you were to stop doing that it would massively release the pressure on the the global food market and would bring prices down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I feel like, you know, biofuels has been a bit synonymous with, um, you know, being a a renewable source of energy, which, you know, doesn't have that many that many harms. So why has biofuels been considered previously as a solution for climate change? And, you know, you with the new information that you've, you've told us and with our previous callers as, uh, caller as well, uh, we can see that, you know, there's a lot of harm that biofuel actually actually can cause. Yeah, I think it's been I think it's been pushed forward out of convenience um, in terms of maintaining the the status quo. So scientists, the science and scientists were already clear before um, the sort of subsidies and policy framework to encourage biofuel use were introduced that this would undermine rather than help climate mitigation. But lobbying from um, the farming industry um, through the NFU, National Farmers Union in the UK and worldwide um, pushed for these subsidies and policy frameworks to encourage biofuels um, and a sort of lobbying partnership between fossil fuel companies, car manufacturers who wanted to avoid efficiency standards and you know globally agribusiness interests um, really pushed for this, um, despite massive warnings from the scientific community and international agencies. Um, they they sort of got their way, and I think it's partly because it's convenient. Um, similarly, going back to what I was talking about, the the burning of wood um, by converting Drax power station from burning coal to burning wood, it doesn't have to change the the sort of infrastructure. And similarly, with using um, crops in place of fossil fuels you don't have to change people can carry on driving their cars and putting the fuel in and it's just been convenient to put a green tag on it without actually looking at the real impact that biofuels actually have which are as as we stated they in many cases they're worse because you've not just got the climate impacts you've got the land use mm-hmm. impacts um and in the case of where you're taking up land and removing trees, you know, trees are uh, our friend when it comes to the climate tri- crisis. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, um, it's, you know, people have been making money out of these um, sort of criteria that, mm-hmm. you know, label it as renewable um, and sustainable. Um, but the recent sort of food crisis i think has brought it brought it to a head again and um certainly we've been campaigning um for at least a suspension of um the um renewable transport fuel obligation which is the 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 in the uk the the sort of um subsidy um you know to kind of alleviate the 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 food price crisis but that's something that we would want to be suspended well mm-hmm. to, to be cancelled and we need to look at different genuine uh, green solutions um, going yeah. forward 
Yeah, yeah. Katie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for giving you know us and you know our listeners an insight about the biofuels. Um, thank you very much, and have the good rest of your morning. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was Katie from uh, Biofuel Watch. Uh, very interesting uh, speaking to to her as well. Um, what's you know what's our responsibility? What's our responsibility to the to the environment? Let's let's listen to that right now. In Surah Rahman, Allah says, "Ash-shamsu wal kamaru bihusban, wa najmu wa shajaru yasjudan, wa samaa arafa aha wa wada al mizan." So you know, God is pointing out to us that the sun and the moon run their courses according to their fixed times. And the stemless plants and the trees submit to him. Even the tiniest of stemless plants that they are submit to God Almighty as, as the creation. The heaven he has raised high above and set up as a measure that you may not transgress. This is the important thing, that you must not transgress the measure. Mm-hmm. And this is Allah, the Almighty, pointing out to us that the universe, in fact, has been created with good measure and man must not do anything that will upset that measure, upset that balance. So it is our responsibility. Each individual person, each society, each community has this responsibility of looking around them and see how one must pay due regard, due attention to looking after the environment as such. And we know that there are many things that we are aware of now uh, which man must do in order to make sure that yes, he uses the uh, uh, universe, the world as has been given to him and takes benefit of all that has been provided by God Almighty, but he does not misuse that to that degree. We talk about uh, deforestations, obviously in parts of the world where trees have been cut down, you know, on a scale and all the issues that they have caused uh, in those parts and other parts is something that we are well, well aware of. The Holy Prophet you know, he discouraged uh, Muslims that when you go to war, when you conquer, you should not cut down trees, fruit-bearing trees. And that was given 1400 years ago. And now man is now realizing the importance of maintaining this balance by not cutting down trees unwantedly. So like, like like we mentioned, uh, our first uh, our first segment and our second segment are sort of uh, intertwined as well. Um, you know, the the effects of uh, of all of these things are very much. Uh, uh, I mean, it's climate change, isn't it? And the the one of the solutions to that is to plant more trees and use less um, use yes, but you know, biofuels as much as possible. We're going to be taking a very very short break. And right after that, we're going to be coming back uh, and going into our, uh, our our final segment for this morning's show. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Use your senses to find God. God must be found. Use your ears to hear his sound. Look up, look down, the sky, the ground. Look left, look right, look all around. 
God is with us wherever we look. He gave us the answers in the perfect book. So recite in the name of thy Lord who created. For your obedience he has patiently waited. See, God is with you everywhere. The bed, the stairs, the floor, the chair. Don't be disobedient. Please take care. He hears and sees all. Don't forget he's there. So next time you think about committing sin, just remember you're letting the devil in. This life is not just about worldly pleasure. The hereafter is where you'll find real treasure. So use your senses and use your sense. Ignorance is not a valid defence. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, in this part of the show, we are speaking about apprenticeships versus university degrees. Um, in 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 chapter in chapter ninety six verses two and six, um, con- Allah the Almighty mentions, convey thou in the name of thy Lord who created, and created man from a clot from a clot cannot, and thy Lord is most generous who taught man by the pen taught man what he knew not, and this these verses refer to the excellent propagation that the pen was to make towards the propagation and dissemination of spiritual sciences and the divine secrets revealed by the Holy Quran and the physical sciences to which the study of the Holy Quran imparted a great stimulus as well. Um, uh, this is just a you know a brief introduction to what we're going to be speaking about. We're going to be speaking about uh, un- you know university degrees and how how a lot of people, a lot of students, they go into university, they, they get their degrees, but then not always they tend to find jobs which are, you know, sort of suitable to their degrees as well. But also on the other side, we see apprenticeships. A lot of people, you know, going into apprenticeships and they may not have a university degree as such, but going into an apprenticeship, um, working and also studying at the same time, getting that experience whilst whilst studying as well. A lot of people these days, you know, would actually prefer to to have an apprenticeship or go go to go to get an apprenticeship as well. It's definitely, I mean, um, d- definitely, we have like we see people that come out with university degrees and they try to get jobs, but the jobs that they're trying to get. They require years of experience, and it's just like an endless cycle. It's difficult. So, mm. apprenticeship is, you know, it's like a straight path into a job. You learn whilst you're, you know, just just, just a brief overview. It's like you learn your skill as you you are working, and you know, it kind of leads you on to a job. And few Britons see university education as the best path to prepare young people for the future. And mm. um, in the Queen's speech, the government plans to make technical education more attractive. To young people, yeah. and uh, including you know promoting apprenticeships um, as an alternative 
to university education and you know Britain see apprenticeships as at least equally good as university degrees for young people yeah. now polling in uh, from the YouGov and the Times shows so half 45% of the public say apprenticeships are better than university degrees for preparing young people for the future while 44% say both are equally as good hmm just 4% of Britons think a university degree is best despite university degrees having significantly higher uptake among young people than apprenticeships you know a lot of people don't uh, don't want to go to university these days why because of the debt that they're going to have Definitely. afterwards i mean that debt is not something it's not it's not a chump change that you can just pay and the thing is is that it's on interest that's the worst thing about it you know it's not just paying for your degree it's not just paying for your education is 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 that is the, the tuition fees of course is that is that is that um increases. that debt it just increases it just keeps for, for what for what reason for what particular reason now in the holy quran allah the almighty has has shown us has given us a very beautiful prayer that we can pray you know when it comes to when it comes to knowledge in arabic it is rabbi zidni ilma that is oh my lord increase me in knowledge and uh, you know this uh, you know in this particular verse which is which is mentioned allah the almighty mentions that he tells us that you know wait for don't just don't be in a hurry you know to 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 receive the revelation don't be in a hurry to to receive all of the guidance at once you know you should learn it by bit learn it by bit by bit and whilst all of these whilst all the commandments while all of these injunctions are being uh, are being recited whilst they are being instructed uh, uh, upon you and to you you should also pray that oh allah you know increase me in knowledge make me be able to not just comprehend what i need to do but make me able to do what i need to do as well definitely, definitely. because it's not just it's not just about it's not just about having the knowledge if you have the knowledge but you don't do anything with that knowledge then it, you know you might as well not have that knowledge right definitely so 100%. if you have that knowledge using that in practice using that for the betterment of society of you you yourselves your children your progeny and of course you know if everyone is educated then the whole world would be a better place as well 100% and the 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 prayer that you mentioned you know oh lord increase me in knowledge knowledge does not just encompass spiritual knowledge yeah. it doesn't just because it is a chronic uh, chronic injunction it doesn't just mean that you know it's only talking about spiritual knowledge and you know knowledge about you know prayers and fasting and the injunctions of the quran and what allah the almighty and the prophets have said hmm. Although that is a very big part of it, that, and that is very essential and vital, that knowledge—the word knowledge—includes all scopes of knowledge, whether they be sciences, agriculture, architecture. You know, uh, a lot of famous, um, you know, people, uh, Muslims in the past have influenced a lot of architecture that we see today. Have influenced, you know, the m- mathematical side of things, algebra, the mm. you know, the computers that we use today. They all come back and they derive from Muslim. Um, you know, scholars yeah. and Muslim scientists, you know, mathematicians, mathematicians, all these things. And another a narration, another tradition of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, kind of springs to mind when speaking mm. about knowledge. And mm. he said that, you know, even if in 1400 years ago, let me paint a short picture, a brief picture for you. The 1400 years ago, where travel was, you know, done on animals or by foot, 
mm. or by slow camels or donkeys or horses. Yeah. He said that even if you had to travel all the way to China, Arabia yeah. to China to gain knowledge, you should do it. Yeah. So that just shows yeah. the importance that Islam puts on knowledge and not just spiritual knowledge, but all forms of knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so you know education is very very much important um and we believe that education is a right it's not it's not it's not something that that you earn it's not something that you know it's not it shouldn't be a privilege that oh i can afford to gain knowledge that should be given to me and education should be should be you know it's a right of everyone to to achieve that whether you're whether you're whether you're rich or whether you're poor Let's speak to our guest who is on the line with us, Ray Letarelli. Uh, Le Hopefully, I don't know, maybe I mispronounced your name. Apologies for that one. Who Ray has been a careers advisor for over 30 years with extensive uh, experience of working in schools, colleges, higher education and with adults seeking advice and guidance as well. So, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Ray. Good morning to you. Good to be with you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for for being with us, joining us this mer- this morning. To begin with, for the benefit of our listeners, could you could you tell us uh, about the National Career Service? Yes, certainly. Um, we provide um, a, pr- a free, impartial information, advice, and guidance service to help people make informed decisions about their future. Um, you know, we recognise this can be a difficult and worrying time for young people, especially. Um, when they're waiting for their results. So getting the right information on where to go and what to do next can be very confusing and at times overwhelming. Hmm. So every year we provide um, support to people receiving their exam results, um, helping them make informed decisions about their next steps. We have something called the Get the Jump Hub on our National Career Service website now, Hmm. which is a useful resource that people can use. And we also, as well as that, um, we'll be running an exam results helpline um, that will be available from the 18th of August to the 2nd of September. Um, and I can give you the number now or at the end of the call if, if you mm. want that now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, d- 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 just to get into it as well, that there are a lot of you know misconceptions regarding apprenticeships. Mm. Could you just mm. tell us, you know, just, just highlight what, what exactly it is and what, why are there these misconceptions? Why, why do they come up? I think misconceptions often it depends on where people find information out. Yeah. Um, but but essentially apprenticeships are jobs with training. Um, mm. They are available in a multitude of types of work now. People tend to think of them as being in the craft trades, which they still are, but they're available in many areas now. So um, business administration, law, um, accounting, finance, engineering, information technology, health professions, marketing, sales, and more. That's just a few examples. Um, And they are, you know, a paid salary job with training and how the training is done will vary from job to job, sector to sector. But that is essentially what they are. And they're available from sort of GCSE standard right the way through to degree and even postgraduate level these days. Mm. So, uh, you know, sometimes people people think that, uh, or some people have this sort of thought in mind that those people who, or those students who can't actually maybe pay off the loans of, you know, their tuition fees if they, if they want to go to university, they just get apprenticeships. So that's mm. not, I mean, that should that misconception should be removed, isn't it? Mm, yes. Yes, very much. Yeah. Um, 
Um, obviously, if you take the degree apprenticeship route, then um, yes, you are a salaried employee and you do have mm. your degree funded, and that is a, obviously an advantage of that route. Um, but yes, on the other side, if you do a full-time university degree, student finance is, is very affordable, and again, that's an area where there is a lot of misconception. Mm. P- repayments in reality are not you know, prohibitively expensive at all. It's based mm. on how much you earn. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that shouldn't be the sole reason why people choose one or the other. They mm. need to weigh up, you know, what's right for them in their circumstances. Yeah. So, so if, yeah. if I was to paint a picture, uh, someone is going to, you know, going to an employer, employer uh, trying mm. to get a job. And, mm. you know, there's two different people applying. There's one that has an apprenticeship and there's one that has, you know, a university degree. So in terms of yeah. the employer, what? what holds more value or what would would an employer see an apprenticeship and maybe think that you know let me go with someone who's got a university degree or vice versa yeah a difficult one to answer um generally because it will depend on the employer's own recruitment and preferences and, and practices um each uh, pathway will equip the person um with a certain skill set um, I mean, full-time university students, for example, will have developed a lot of uh, life skills through living independently, and they will have developed academic skills, as will a degree apprentice. And um, obviously, the degree apprentice will have had the advantage of having had, you know, a certain amount of experience as well. Yeah. Um, but in terms of value, it's you're almost not comparing like with like. At the end of the day, you'll have a graduate before you. Um, mm. So it's a case of looking at what skills have they developed, you know, how employable are they for the fit of your organisation, really. Mm. So when it comes to when it comes to the differences, what, what are some of the main differences then uh, between apprenticeships and universities, and are, okay. are they valued the same? Though? Um, it's that you're not in, as I say, some respects you're not comparing like with like, but it's that they're structured differently. Mm. Um, you obviously end up with the same result, a graduate, a degree, and they, they have parity. But um, a degree apprenticeship, uh, the key thing to remember is that you're a salaried employee, you're working and studying. Um, it's not an easy option um, because, you know, you'll have to devote extra time to, um, you know, studying, perhaps mm. sacrificing evenings, weekends, etc. Um, and that can be demanding. Getting that right work-life balance yeah. can be difficult, so you need to be work-ready. Um if you go do a university course full time, you develop, you get what I would call the student experience, the life skills that people develop from um, being at university, um, uh, working independently, studying independently. So um, it's just the route to your qualification is different. Mm. Um, and as I say, it's our role is very much to help the person explore. how these things fit with them, their preferences, their circumstances. Are they work ready yet? Um, Do they need time to work out what they want to do before they go into the world of work? Mm. Okay, so it's, um, it's, we have to look at the big picture of the person and their circumstances when we're looking at these options. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, would people or students, would they prefer university degrees or or apprenticeships or the other way around? Um, it, it depends on, on the person. I mean, s- some uh, young people are very work ready um, at the age of 18 and, and really want to go out and start earning um, a living. That, and that's fine. Um, 
as I was when I was that age, I wasn't. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I just wanted to spend more time in education to improve my knowledge, my skills um, and confidence indeed mm. before I was ready to go out to work. So, um, so it, as I say, it really does come down to the individual and their um, motivations, preferences, where they're at really with their ideas. Okay, Absolutely. so um, yes, it's uh, it's very much an individual decision at the end of the day. Absolutely, absolutely. Ray, thank you so much for joining us. You said you you had a number hotline. Uh, for yes, our indeed. Yes, indeed. So, um, just to remind uh, listeners, our uh, helpline is the number is zero eight hundred one hundred nine hundred. That's zero eight hundred one hundred nine hundred. Um, that will be open from the eighteenth of August, which is actually A level and level three results day anyway, mm-hmm. right the way through to the second of September. And that line is open eight a.m. to eight p.m. Monday to Friday and Saturdays ten a.m. to five p.m. Mm-hmm. So, we'd be very happy to talk with people. Thank you, thank you for joining uh, us as well, and, and for that for that uh, hotline as well. Uh, thank you so much, Ray, uh, for joining thank us you. this morning. Uh, it's been yeah. a pleasure, and good luck to the listeners with their results. Okay, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Bye bye. So yeah, I mean, very interesting speaking speaking to Ray uh, over there just now as well, and uh, you know, making sure that this misconception is uh, you know is tackled as well. I mean, some there are some people you know they. They they do say that you know it's oh you don't have a university degree oh you know you know it doesn't it's not, it's it's not, it's yeah, it's not something yeah. that they it's not something they that, want yeah someone without a university degree I mean yeah yeah I mean it's very important to whenever if someone is looking to get into a job or specific line of work mm, yeah to make sure that you you know do your research thoroughly research that. You know, sector that you are going definitely, into, as definitely. as um, a caller Ray just said, that it really depends on, you know, where you want to go, where you are going. So, in terms of that, look at you know what f- what sort of you know get your subject, out there, yeah. air, your area that you want to get into, and see if an apprenticeship is better, or if, um, or if a law degree is better. Speak to employers, ask them if you know if I was to get a job at your firm or at your company or your business then w- would you prefer someone with an apprenticeship or would you prefer someone with a law degree I mean all these things I mean your career yeah. your career is a very very huge and important part of your life is what how you will you know provide for yourself or provide for your family or whoever you need to provide for mm. so it's very important to make sure that you know at a young age of you know eighteen or sixteen, seventeen, going from you know finishing your GCSEs and finishing your A levels, hmm. and kind of thinking you know what's the next step. I know it is at a young age, but you know it's very important to be mature about it and to understand you know every aspect of that sort of area so that you know exactly what you're getting into and exactly what you need to get into hmm. to accomplish your goals and to accomplish maybe you're ac- trying to accomplish a specific salary or maybe you're trying to accomplish a specific skill or a job hmm. Hmm. Um, so yeah it's very very important to be you know very mature at that age in terms of what you need to do in the future absolutely absolutely and you know as we mentioned uh, previously as well that uh, education or receiving an education is very much important uh, for, for, for everyone. And in, in the religion of Islam, we believe that uh, receiving an education is, uh, is definitely something which is incumbent upon everyone. In fact, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that you know, receiving an education, attaining an education is incumbent. You know, it's not, it's not a choice. It's, it's a must. You have to do it. 
for every Muslim man and every Muslim woman. So boys and girls, they need to, you know, equally receive an education as well. You know, if 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 women are not educated, then how are they going to raise their children? How are they going to raise the next the next the next generation? Right? If if the men are not educated, how are they going to go outside and work? I mean, of course, women can go outside and work as well. It means there's no there's no prohibit prohibition in that one. But still, you know, generally we see that the men go outside and work, and women they they raise their children. No, you know, normally we see that. But still. If both of them are, are uneducated, then you know the the next generation will also be une- uneducated, unless if you know a miracle happens. But still, if everyone is educated, the whole society is educated, then the whole world is educated. And when, um, when everyone is educated, then and everyone is given that you know true education as well, not miseducation or not misled and not misguided. Then the whole world would be in a much better place. The whole world would would be a much peaceful place to actually live in as well. There's a brief audio clip that we want to share with uh, with you guys as well. How should we encourage young people to pursue post secondary education? Let's listen to that right now. Azur, my question is: um, How can we convince our younger Khudam brothers to pursue post secondary education? instead of entering the workforce uh, after high school. You see, this is what I've been telling and even my previous khulafas have also been, te- been telling the people, our students, that they should continue their studies. They should not stop their education at, after secondary school. They should at least be graduate and further their studies. This is why the Khalifatul Masih Salas started the program of giving gold medals. And he, it was his wish that we should have at least 100 Nobel Prize winners. And we should, be, should have at least 1,000 top scientists in our community, which we are not having at present. Right? This is why Amure Talaba Department has been formed here in the Khudamul Amdiya and, and Sekhti Talim in the Jamaat system to encourage the students that uh, they should, instead of stopping their education after secondary education, they should continue going to universities and further their studies. And uh, even if they think they cannot go into research or some other uh, science subjects or professional uh, fields, like engineering and medicine, then at least they should sit in the competition examination and go into the civil service. At least we should have good number of civil servants in the governments. So in each and every field, an Ahmadi should be present. And for that, you have to encourage them. And this is why the department of Amure Taluba was formed, that they should encourage the students. Even this is the job of the parents as well. If the parents are educated, they will ask their children to further their studies after completing their secondary school. Minimum education of an Ahmadi student should be graduation. And after that, he can choose different fields, right? 
So that was his uh, that was his holiness the the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad who is the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, as well um you know to- telling us a little bit more about uh, you know about uh, about all of this about you know receiving an education and trying our best to achieve not just an education but to excel in uh, in education uh, as well so all these all these things are are very very much important and um, that was our show for for today we spoke about uh, you know quite a number of things as well we spoke about planting trees um and uh, how we can um get rid of all of these or trying our best to use as less biofuels as much as possible as less as possible rather and also uh, apprenticeships and uh, university degrees receiving an education as well today's show was uh, produced and researched by Nafisa Amini uh, thank you to her uh, and uh, Zakala Shmail as well until next time assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah